0: Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join us in the conversation.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations for Life. Today, we are incredibly honored and blessed to be joined by Kristen Hatton, and she has written a wonderful book called FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. Her book is all about helping um, your teenager and you as the parents of your teenager uh, to engage with them around the issues of social media and how especially teenage girls are drawn to social media to meet their internal cravings for security, for value, for worth, for love, and acceptance. And and she points them to how God alone can meet these needs and how he does so through the gospel. Uh, Kristen also partners with her husband, Pete, who is the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Oklahoma City. And they have three kids. Uh, Kristen, thanks so much for coming on today.
2: Yes, thank you for inviting me. I look forward to this conversation.
1: Well, so share with everyone, including me, just a little bit about your story, how you came to faith and how this issue in particular grew to be a burden on your heart.
2: Okay, sure. Well, I um, am fortunate to have grown up in a Christian home, so I really don't know a day without Jesus, but I feel like it's been in my adult life that I've really grasped the gospel in a deeper way in understanding that it's not just that Christ died for me, but that he also lived for me and just understanding what that means then about who I am, that my identity is secure in Christ and that God smiles at me. So a lot of the book FaceTime, it is about identity and worth and finding that secure in Jesus. But um, I'll back up a little bit about how I got into even writing at all. Um, My husband is a pastor and we were doing college ministry in texas before we were called to church planning in oklahoma and when we were moving here our daughter our oldest was going to be entering middle school and i was really anxious because she'd been in the small christian school in waco and we were moving to a place where we knew no one into a big public school and Mm -hmm. so i um thought, you know what, I've never taught anything. I didn't think of teaching as my gifting, but I was like, I just so badly want to help foster Christian friends for her that I'll do a, a girl's Bible study, but of course we didn't know anybody. So I met, um, a lady who was my son's preschool teacher and she happened to have a daughter that was my daughter's age. And so I was like, if you find some girls, then I'll teach this Bible study. So hmm. that, um, started and I very quickly saw that there was very little in the Christian bookstore, um, for teenagers. It was all very much topical and what I would call fluff, Um, there wasn't much meat. And um, I I wanted them to get the gospel. And I really wanted them to have like books of the Bible, Bible studies. So I started taking my husband's sermons and kind of rewriting them. And that eventually is what led to my first book, which is Get Your Story Straight. Um, But it was when I was in the middle of that book, like that editing process that my daughter came to me. And this is now fast forward, like she's in high school now. So I'd been doing this Bible study with the girls for Several years before all this. But um, when I was in the editing process of Get Your Story Straight, our daughter confided in us that she was struggling with an eating disorder. And so I was mm-hmm. um, shocked. Um, you know, mm-hmm. here, I know she knows the gospel. She is a believer. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm her Bible study teacher, and her dad is the pastor. And if <laughs> you looked at her from the outside, like she had it all together. Like no one would suspect someone like her mm-hmm. would be struggling because she, was well-liked, was very involved in school, made good grades. I mean, just on paper and, and looking at her, she she had it all. So um, that's when I was just like, oh, my gosh, if she is struggling and she is in a family that is that loves her and, um, you know, her, we're married. I mean, she, she knows the gospel. Like how many yeah. other teenagers are also struggling. And so that led me to create um, an online anonymous teen survey that early on, it was both for girls and guys. And then it was through my publisher that we kind of honed in on the girls. Mm. Um, So that's what then led to this book,
3: FaceTime, your identity in the selfie world. So getting into um, some of the things that you wrote about and for parents who have younger kids or parents who are feel like they're not really um, a part of the social media culture and don't really understand it and don't really know what that looks like for teens and what they're struggling with and they might you know also be really surprised that their child is their daughter especially is struggling in this way could you talk about kind of this this social media world what this looks like and, and what's happening yeah sure um, I think many, adults,
2: women particularly, are just as consumed and affected by social media as teens are. And and because I have teenage boys, I also see that um, they can be as well. Um, But for those who are not on social media um, or maybe not on social media enough to really see what's happening, I mean, the way I think of it is imagine back to your preteen or teen years or even younger When we left school, we went home and we did our thing, you know? And so on the weekend, we may have a friend spend the night and other friends might be doing, you know, getting together, doing their things, but we weren't aware of what everybody was doing and who they were with all the time.
1: Mm, In today's
2: world, you always know what everybody's doing all the time. And so if you have been left out of something or if someone else has more exciting plans, it's constantly before you in your face 24 seven. But it goes even beyond hurt feelings. Um, Instagram literally is where girls in particular craft their identity. And I mean, they stake out. Can, can you can
1: you actually just slip? I mean, that's so hard for me because we have an Instagram account for, for Cross Life. And, you know, we, we throw up some photos every now and then of quotes and things. Can you like how, how does that work? What do you mean? By, I mean, I really don't. I have a nine year old. So I'm just sort of thinking like, what does this mean that they craft their identity on Instagram? How does that mean like they're constantly taking pictures and sort of. And that's sort of their curating world.
3: Curating them. Too. Yeah. Yes, curating
2: them. Because I would say, and especially as they get older, they're not necessarily constantly posting pictures anymore. It might be stories or over on Snapchat. Um, but what they do, they only reserve the very best for their feed mm. on Instagram. Yeah. And so they're staking out photo op locations. They're taking hundreds of photos in the same place, dressing for the post. It's, uh, I mean, it's not uncommon for girls to buy clothes just for the picture and then not wow. it, or at least not let it be posted. Um, and then but it's not just. that one photo it's also the grid so like when you're looking on Instagram like nine photos show up at one time they want everything to look good together and so they're thinking about like what their editing is like and how it all kind of fits together because it all in their mind it's like Mm -hmm. I mean it's really cool to have a cool Instagram like people think that you're Cool. So along with all this comes like status and pride, like girls feel better about themselves based on their Instagram page, how it looks, how many followers they have, how many likes and comments they get. Wow. And then for the one, you know, scrolling through, it's constant bombardment and you can become easy prey for Satan's whispering lies because you're constantly seeing just beautiful images. I mean, whether it's of girls or um, a vacation or just cool artsy type pictures. And it makes you feel like, again, you're not enough. I mean, you're kind of Satan's whispering lies going through your head. Look at her. She's so much prettier. I don't look like that. My wardrobe's not like that. I don't have a boyfriend. I mean, just all those lies that just filter, come in because of what we see and which I think is really interesting because those girls know that they're editing their own pictures. And so there's like this lost in translation that like, okay, well, so is everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they know they're yeah. editing. So it's like, why can't they look at other people's and go, I know that that's fake, like right. that's, you know?
1: Right, right, right. And, and uh, just, if, if I can just say, you know, I'm, I'm 39 and so, you know, it, kind of technology was introduced when I was a kid, you know, Nintendo and PCs, but as you're describing this, I just have to say this is so foreign to my con- concept, even of adolescence. I mean, I certainly get, you know, insecurity. I mean, I had it. You know, I certainly get uh, comparing yourself in high school is, you know, I mean, that's, it's just awful in that way. But to me, I've never connected that so deeply with social media, uh, the way that you're describing. It's not, it's just, it's a very, it's a much more profound sort of experience of of social media than than I've ever really understood.
2: Right. And I feel like it's just, you know, it's constantly changing, but I mean, Instagram kind of came about when my daughter was in eighth and ninth grade. So, I mean, what I've seen happen just over the last eight years, I guess, I mean, it's just amazing. And then too, I mean, the apps that they have to, um, get rid of blemishes or to shrink your size. I mean, there's all sorts of acts that can do that. And so, I mean, you can literally make yourself look perfect and then, but not look like that in real life at all.
1: Just feeding that monster inside you. Yes. So if I could just ask a quick question. So you, know, you said you did this online survey, and I know you, you talk about some of it in your book. You know, so obviously, I, I'm I'm guessing what part of what partly what motivated you to do the book is you realize this is this is of course a much bigger issue than just your daughter. This is this is a really big deal that oftentimes I think you'd probably say parents don't even realize what's going on.
2: Yes, absolutely. I was. I mean, the survey results that I kept getting back were just repetitive. I mean, the same things over and over. And so, yes, I saw. Oh my gosh, there are so many kids struggling. So many kids that feel um, not just insecure in the in the sense that we might have felt insecure as teenagers, but they literally feel worthless, and they're contemplating mm. suicide, and they're mm, depressed and anxious, and just—I mean—just the extent of mental health issues that are are coming about, not just from social media, but just the culture in general that just is kind of feeding this
3: yeah and of course that's as we're about to talk about that's not um something that originates with social media or certain apps or things like that online it's it's it goes much deeper and um so in in the first part of your book you you talk about how struggles with self-worth and identity that are exposed through social media are ultimately a spiritual problem and one that only the gospel can actually meet Um, So could you share about this connection and especially about how the gospel in particular connects with our social media habits and mental health? Yeah, Um, and I think that a lot of people don't make this connection, but Mm -hmm. it's
2: crucial that we see that sin is more than outward bad behavior. At the core of sin is idolatry. So anything and everything apart from God that rules our heart is sin, so if being liked or popularity is what I want most, then my desires will drive that behavior. Um, so like, I mean, someone may, pi- may post a, a picture and there's nothing inherently wrong with that particular picture on Instagram. But if you trace back that behavior of that girl's heart, what only she and God may know is that the reason for that post was to garner acceptance through likes. So we have to get to the sin beneath the sin. Um, and I think just realizing that nobody breaks commandment two through nine without breaking the first commandment. I mean, you shall have mm. no gods before me. Ultimately we, something else is ruling our hearts. So with mm-hmm. our kids, um, we need to help shepherd them to see what's going on in their hearts, um, that drives them to, to do and to say what they do. And I mean, it's the same for us with our hearts, um,
1: yeah. I mean, it, it, everything you say in your book applies just as much to adults. And and as you already pointed out, I mean, many adult men and women both are just as much getting their identity and worth through social media or other a- outlets in, in very false ways as well. So there's, right. you know, every parent who has a kid should read this book and will benefit from it too, you know,
3: before social media was here we had other ways of doing that right?
1: right.
2: <laughs> yes, and still do. I mean, I feel like so many parents find we look for our, our identity in our kids. I mean, we are putting that pressure for them to be the perfect student and <laughs> the best athlete, and
1: right. Perfect <laughs> go life.
2: Go to the best school. And I mean, because we're looking for our identity in our kids. Um, yeah. so in this sense, I mean, social media behavior is no different than any behavior. Um, I don't think, you know, we can view social media or technology as all bad because what's bad is our hearts. Um, what social media I think does is give us parents more of a window into our kids' hearts because we can Mm. see being posted. So like for our family, we frequently have used social media as a springboard to conversation just to think critically about why someone may have posted a particular picture or made a certain comment. Um, For instance, girls who post selfies in their swimsuits. I mean, there's more to it than just look at me. I'm at the lake. It's that. Yeah. Yeah to hear, you know, that she's hot, to be affirmed in her worth, because her appearance is what she's attaching her identity to. So it's, well, it's, you know, a-
1: it's funny, it's funny that, that you brought that up. So I didn't mean to cut you off. But I was just think like you have two boys, if I'm not mistaken, right? And so I'm just thinking yeah. about what well, you're saying about how girls post things. And it's insidious for girls, of course, in terms of the way that they, you know, well, um, the peer pressure between them. But I'm also thinking like, for me as a dad, if I saw girls posting these bikini pictures on my son's Instagram, I'm thinking, my goodness, like, That is, that is like fuel to the fire. What are you doing there? You know, I mean, that's, man. Yes.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think from that sense, it's really hard to raise sons because they're constantly bombarded with these images. I mean, there's like no escaping. Um, But yeah. So, I mean, I think as parents, what we need to do is we need to help our kids understand idolatry and mm. what, what those false identities are. And so my hope in writing FaceTime was to, to do that. Expose the false identities we're trusting in. Um, and then two, to reorient girls to see their true identity secure in Christ. And to know mm. the affirmation, acceptance, and perfection that they long for is theirs in Christ. Um, so. Amen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Amen. Um,
2: But yeah, you asked about the gospel, you know, connecting to social media. I mean, the same way it does for all of life. We're broken in need of a Savior. We're looking for worth in all the wrong places, and only Jesus can satisfy. And so helping our kids to see the extent of sin, and I know we don't like to talk about sin, and we don't like to see sin, but until we know how needy we are, we don't know how much we need a Savior and then the more we see who he is, his work and worth for us, both in life and in death, and that it's given to us in the great exchange, and I wear Christ's righteousness. I mean, that it changes everything when I know I have God's smile and that I'm secure because of him. And so that's just that message that FaceTime and I want my kids, and that we just can't overexhaust. I mean, we constantly yeah. need to be. I mean, I call it gospel self-talk. We just constantly need gospel self-talk to remind ourselves of who Christ is and who we are.
1: Well, and actually what I, what I loved about the second part of your book, when you get kind of to, a, you, you highlight a number of of specific kind of tangible, practical areas where teens, their behaviors, um, you know, demonstrate um, idolatry, uh, spiritually speaking. But what I liked so much about it was that none of the things you described I think would be typical of, of of an image of sort of the rebellious teen or the, you know, the one who's gone off the deep end. All of the behaviors you describe, I think most parents would say on the surface are done by good kids. And I really, I really liked how you did that. And you know, um, folks can can read the book, but I, would you? Can you share a little bit about, you know, how? how, as a parent, you have learned to see beneath the surface of the quote-unquote good kid and and how, you know, your own walk as a parent and, and working with your kids and their hearts Because I think a lot of parents, uh, maybe there's two kinds of parents to have in mind. One kind of parent is maybe they're busy and they have their their hands full and their kid on the outside seems great and they have no idea what's going on under the surface, Mm -hmm. eating disorders or other things going on. And so maybe you could help a parent say, okay, you know, here's your kid might look great, but here's some things you really should, questions you can ask or things to look out for. On the other hand, you might have parents who say, yeah, you know, my kid, my kid, I do know that they're dealing with this issue and I would love... Any, any advice or encouragement. So I guess to that degree, I, can you speak a little bit to that, you know, not just looking at the surface of a quote unquote good kid, but to the some of the behaviors you, you bring up and how they do, you know, get the heart issues?
2: Yeah, I know. I think that, I mean, when we talk about, you know, good kids, I mean, so often that's what parents want. They just want their kid to to be a good kid. And they kind of think that, okay, they're going to church and they're, they're not drinking or having sex. So they're a good kid, you know, but, Mm. but if we're not going deeper, if we're not having those conversations to understand like what, what's driving them, then, then we miss so much. And if we're shocked by sin, they learn very quickly to hide a lot. Um, and I think that that happens quite a bit. They don't feel safe to talk to us because they don't see us in the same boat. We maybe present ourselves as not struggling in the same ways. Um, or they might hear us um, judge or condemn one of their friends. And so then they think, well, gosh, if mom and dad, you know, that's what they think about so-and-so, I'm going to be a lot more careful about what I let them
3: hear or know. Right, yeah. And so developing healthy social media habits goes so much deeper than just social media, of course. And what I hear you saying is that um, having a relationship with your kids, really working on building that relationship so that you know them and they know you to an age appropriate level. Um, they know your own struggles, um, and you interact regularly in, in your part of their life, as well as just recognizing you have a, a natural authority given by God in their lives. And you should exercise that with wisdom and w- alongside that relationship that you have with them. But these are elements that a parent can do to be building a foundation for their kids that's going to lead to healthier things in in internet usage.
2: Yes. And it will still be hard. I mean, I always want to say like, there's no formula. (laughs) Right. Want that, like, just tell me what to do. And, you know, it'll be, I'll have good teenagers or whatever. It's it's not.
1: What I get so much from your book is is just, look, just because your team, I look normal on the outside. There is a spiritual battle going on in their heart. And you as mom and dad, you can't just let the surface kind of, behavior um, you know confuse you or distract you from dealing with those heart issues and you know christian smith um, wrote a book uh, called soul searching where he talks about the actual faith of the average teenager and it's pretty eye-opening and one of the comments he makes is that yes you know, parents just when our kids need us the most we tend to back off because you know when you're when your toddler is throwing a tantrum or needs a diaper change or you have to help you cure their homework you, you have to do it, it's very obvious. But as your kids get more independent, I think the, the temptation for parents is to think, okay, you know, I can kind of back off and sort of let them do their thing. But the reality is, internally, the adolescent years are the biggest, I would say as a parent, the, the biggest um, challenge for you shepherding your kids, discipling them. And, and so, you know, what I love about your book is you deal with those heart issues that are going on under the surface. And, and here's the reality because all of us as adults wrestle with sin. Uh, it's not just because you're the son of a pastor or the daughter of a, min- of a missionary or, or you go to this church or you, you know, whatever, that doesn't matter. You're still dealing with those things. And in our culture, um, it, it has become such a, a, a self uh, feeding kind of frenzy and we have to be mindful of that. And and so, so again, so thank you for writing the book. Um, do you have any last thoughts you just want to share with, with folks out there about the topic that you haven't gotten to share so far?
2: Um, well, something you just said, it, it sparked my mind. And it's like, when we know our own hearts, when we know our own tendency to want to crave, you know, attention or acceptance. In fact, um, there was something that my, one of my sons got in trouble for. And even though that hasn't, that particular issue was not mine. I could identify with him because he did, he gave into peer pressure because he wanted to be liked. Well, I get Mm. that. I also want to be liked. And so I think when we can identify with our kids, Mm. we have more compassion and grace for them. And so then we can come, you know, alongside them instead of coming at them. Um, And, and also what you said about Christian Smith's, you know, observations. I totally agree. I mean, in my experience, um, Many parents, I think they just don't know what to do with the teen years. They just feel a sense of just like, oh, my gosh. And so they give up. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like they adopt the motto, teens will be teens, and then they just Mm -hmm. hope for the best, and it'll pass quickly. But I I totally Mm -hmm. agree. I think that that, this is the time that we need to be the most invested um, to shepherd them and just building on that gospel foundation because they they want us, even if they act like they don't, they do want us to speak into their lives. And I, I know because my daughter now being the age she is, has had conversations with she and her friends where, where there have been girls whose parents were not as involved, or they were the cool parents that allowed parties or a right. few. And it's like, they, they just want to know that they were loved and, and to have boundaries like that, it, it they see that they're loved. And so even when they're like bucking up against it, you know, it, it's comforting to them. So, I say that just as encouragement to, to not to give up because I know there's so many times that it would be easier just to throw in the towel and be like, whatever, just have it your way, but to yeah. keep pursuing them with, with grace and the gospel.
1: Well, so Kristen's book is called FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. And you can find it on Amazon um, and anywhere that, that books Christian books are sold, I'm sure. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it's it's not only something for you, mom and dad, to read. And I think, uh, I think moms and dads and teen, teenagers especially should read it to kind of get clued into what their teens might be be dealing with it maybe they didn't even think about and as well of course um would you encourage this book as sort of a study book for teen girls especially like as as a youth group or small group kind of thing Kristen?
2: absolutely i know lots and lots of groups that have done it together is um either you know a youth leader and a group of girls or moms and daughters together Um, but yes i think it works really well for small group
1: so maybe if you're out there and you're listening, and that's you, and you have either a girl who's in a small group or a Sunday school class, and you're thinking what what to do next, well, let me encourage you and and actually provide questions. Kristen does in the book for 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 small group discussion, and so and it's already built into the book. So great great opportunity. And if that's not you, but uh, you know your church isn't doing that, still get it for you and your and your your teen. Um, and read it together and talk about it. I mean, here at Cross Life, we are all about encouraging parents to sit down with their kids and talk about real life issues. And so, Kristen, thanks, thank you so much for, for your book. And uh, folks, we th- we want to thank you for listening today. Um, you can find more information about us at www.crosslifetoday.org. And also, Kristen, do you have, do you have a website you encourage people to go to? Or uh, you said do you have an Instagram account?
2: Yep. Um, My website is just my name, kristenhatton.com, and I am on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I think it's kristen um, underscore Hatton is my Instagram name.
1: And you call it Redemptive Parenting, is that right? You you mentioned that one?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Redemptive Parenting is my other Instagram account, and I will be um, unveiling a website for that and some other um, products coming um, with that in the near future.
1: Awesome. Well, well, Kristen, thanks so much for being on. And, and folks out there, thanks for listening in today. You guys take care and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel using your preferred podcast app and to join us again next week. Conversations for Life is a listener-supported ministry of Cross Life, Cross Life exists to equip and empower married couples and parents to cultivate life in the home. For more information and additional resources mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website, crosslifetoday.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Cross Life Resources, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, take care and God bless.